0: are live, local and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at
1: 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. Tigers here producing It's 403. Good afternoon. You may recall that the special counsel indicated President Biden has a poor memory that triggered congressional Republicans to say we want to see the transcript of those interviews. And they gave a deadline to the Department of Justice, but the Department of Justice did not comply with that deadline of February 19th. The House Oversight Committee had requested the transcript, and they set that deadline. So now the House Oversight Committee is left trying another way to try to get its hands on that transcript, Melinda.
2: This it, not a smart move by the DOJ because you had so many in the White House that said the characterization of Biden here is completely inaccurate. There's a way to make sure and prove that that is true, that it was an inaccurate representation, and that is to release the transcript, to release the audio, and yet they're choosing not to do so.
1: Really undercuts their defense of the president, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, the White House had not decided if it would be transparent on this issue and agree to the release, according to TheHill.com. Uh, but his staff at the White House kept saying the way he's characterized by the special counsel is politically motivated and far from the truth. It's not an accurate picture of President Biden.
2: Yeah. Well, then g- give us the, the transcript. Let us, let us read. Let us hear for ourselves that it's not accurate.
1: We have a story breaking an exclusive from the Wall Street Journal saying that Venezuela has told President Biden, we will not accept any of our countrymen if you try to deport them back to Venezuela. We are no longer accepting them. They had reached a deal in recent months where roughly 1,800 Venezuelans on about 15 flights had been flown by the U.S. back to Venezuela for deportation but now President Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela has told President Biden, that's it, we're not accepting any more deportation flights. Don't even think about it.
2: It's probably going to put a little, little hitch in his giddy up there of Biden <laughs> um, trying to come out and say he's strong on the border. Not the best news for him on this. I, not that I think anything changes, because i have I mean, be quite honest, I, I don't know that there were tens of thousands of flights going back to Venezuela I wonder how many that actually cuts
1: you mean uh, in terms of deportation mm-hmm. uh, it, it strikes me as this effort has been small this is a, a drop in the bucket to what's pouring over the border 1,800 Venezuelans have been deported by the US on 15 flights back to Venezuela and uh, Venezuela says we're stopping the cooperation don't bother trying to land in Venezuela. We will not give you permission to land if it's a deportation flight.
2: Again, I don't think that this changes a lot as far as, except for Biden going, well, I really didn't need that right now. I don't think it changes a lot of what's going on at the border. there's, I mean, if it were all people from Venezuela in the millions that have been coming across, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. But we are seeing individuals from all over the world. You just heard in the top of the Fox News that that, that those that are coming from China far exceed those coming from Central America right now.
1: Yes, the new numbers from the Border Patrol say China is number two in terms of apprehensions on the southern border, second only to Colombia. And the number since October is over 20,000 from China have come across the border. Uh, the Wall Street Journal says Biden's team believed that these deportation flights to Venezuela would be seen as a crucial deterrent, sending a powerful signal to migrants that they would face a significant risk of deportation if they crossed the border illegally. Most, most people were totally unaware. That he had deported 1,800 Venezuelans.
2: 1,800? Yeah, big deterrence there. That's so ridiculous. That was not a scare for anybody. They were like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll just crawl somewhere else. And not a deterrent whatsoever. 1800 compared to, I think the last report I saw was in this past three years. It's been 7 million. I don't know what the number of Venezuelans are in that 7 million, but it far exceeds 1800. I can guarantee that.
1: This is a tiny drop in the bucket, isn't it? Larry's in Maynard with Mark and Melinda at 408. Larry, good afternoon. Welcome. How are you doing?
3: Good afternoon. I'm fine as frogs here.
1: What are your thoughts, Larry? Um,
3: Well, Venezuela, I would like to see some congressman
4: make a move
3: that Venezuela not receive $1 of aid or trade, period, until this is resolved.
1: Okay. Uh, Do you have any idea uh, what kind of dollar amount we're talking about in terms of impact?
3: No, sir. I. Of course, driving down the road, I didn't have a chance to go and look it up, but I'm sure the information is out there on how much uh, foreign aid Venezuela gets, and probably Department of Commerce may have stats on how much trade we're doing with them. But I say cut off all trade and aid.
1: Well, I'm it, tired of this stuff. Uh, there should not be any foreign aid going to Venezuela. That should have been cut off years ago because mm-hmm. they've had yeah. communist dictators running the show down there creating misery
3: well, we're giving foreign aid to china so
1: <laughs> all, all right larry thanks you you have a good afternoon 512-836-0590 oil exports are the lifeblood of venezuela's economy uh, i don't know how substantial they are right now but uh they do have customers in the socialist world that like to buy their oil
2: oh my goodness we were going for it for a bit
1: yes absolutely Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. 590 CNN says it has received internal documents now from the White House and President Biden's German Shepherd inflicted more bites on Secret Service agents than the public had first been told. 24 bites inflicted on Secret Service agents before President Biden agreed to send the German shepherd away to live with other family members.
2: What stood out to me more so than the number of bites was um, the source that was cited in here that said, oh, the Bidens feel awful. But then I go on to read the reports, and they said even after knowing that he's bit the first couple and they decided to bring in a trainer and uh, work on the leash and stuff, there were incidents where... The dog was not on the leash, just running free with the Bidens, either Jill or Joe, standing around there. And it did not, at least the way this read, did not come across as if they were too concerned with this dog that had been biting people, running loose and going after other members. I have a just for this source to say they feel awful and they were heartbreaking. They even took flowers to one of them. No, if you felt awful after the first time, maybe even this you give them the second time, that dog would have been removed from the White House.
1: Mm-hmm. It was so bad, uh, internal emails by Secret Service leaders were advising agents, you need to change your tactics and approach to protect yourself. You still have to do your job, of course, but you got to watch out for the president's German shepherd.
2: And that should never happen. The the Point in time that it interrupts them doing their job, and as you read some of these reports, it was interrupting their ability to even just be there and be present to protect them. They still allowed for this dog to go wild. Again, maybe you give two chances. That dog should have been gone well before they finally sent it off to live elsewhere.
1: CNN says that the uh, biting incidents on the Secret Service agents began in October of 2022 and continued for nearly a full year. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Josh has some thoughts on Venezuela telling the United States it will no longer accept deportation flights. Hello Josh, welcome. How are you?
3: Hi, uh, thanks guys for taking my call. Yeah, I just had the thought that if they can't go back then they may have a better claim at asylum when they when they get here. So I I wondered if maybe that was a good thing for them
5: like uh, unintended consequences kind of thing
1: when they eventually get before a judge if they ever do they could say they won't take me back so
3: right when they when they get in front of whoever is gonna you know determine if they're eligible for asylum if they say well I'm Venezuelan and I can't they're not going to accept me back where do you want to send me you know to me that seems like they might
2: That gives them a a, a reason.
6: Yeah.
1: That could be the case, Josh. And uh, China will not accept any deportation Mm -hmm. flights. So those people are pretty much here to stay.
7: Right. Yeah. That's all.
1: Josh, thank you. Have a good afternoon, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Here are the numbers. Join the conversation right now at 512-836-0590. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 417, we go to Pete on 1604. Hello, Pete. Welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Fine, Pete. Good afternoon. You've got some thoughts on the yep. story about Venezuela. Go ahead, Pete.
4: Yeah, well, the, the oil that uh, they uh, pull out of Venezuela is, uh, is a very specific uh, weight, and because of the the thinness of the weight of that oil there's only a few places that are set up to refine that oil and one of the main places is houston okay i learned i learned that when i was working uh as a uh so-called intelligence officer for a, a reserve for a reserve units so i'd go find all kinds of stuff and get chewed out by the army because i was releasing stuff that they said was secret but was an open source <laughs> all,
1: all right uh, and then what happens after it's refined in houston do do we consume it here or is it shipped out to other countries
4: sometimes it's shipped out to the countries most of the time it's shipped out to other countries
1: all right pete thank you have a good afternoon Troy is with us at 418. Hi, Troy. How are you this afternoon?
0: I'm doing well. I kind of got a response to Josh's comment. Venezuela doesn't want these people back because they emptied their prisons and sent them all to us. Uh, We didn't vet any of them. So, of course, they don't want them back that made their lives easier.
1: Yeah, you can see cases in New York and Chicago where the Venezuelans have uh, yeah, have been in the news for the crimes.
2: Here's my question. How is Venezuela stopping it? Do are they have they stopped all flights from the US coming to Venezuela? How do they know which ones contain those that were deporting and which one contains tourists if there is such a thing?
0: I'm sure they got visas. They got everything else that they've got to put on those flights to go back to Venezuela.
2: Here, you just send the flight. You don't say what it is. You let it land. You let them get off, and then you <laughs> get out of there.
5: I agree with you 125 percent because they don't want those people back. So what are we going to do with them?
1: No, they they have uh, emptied some of their jails, haven't they, jo- uh, Troy? That's that's absolutely. obvious. Yeah,
6: absolutely. So that was my take on it.
1: Thank you. You have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. New study out today, Melinda, says more than half of recent four-year college graduates, 52% of these people, are underemployed one year after they graduate. What's the definition of being underemployed? They're in a job that does not require a college degree. That's 52% of the people who earn a four-year college degree in America, one year later are in a job that does not require a college degree. Ten years after graduation, 45% of them are still in a job that does not require a four-year college degree. And the people who have done this study, which looked at 60 million American workers, call it... Talent Disrupted. That's the title of this study.
2: Pretty sure this has been going on for quite some time uh, where people are they they don't go into the field to which they have their degree Um, and I don't know that having a degree in something that you're not even pursuing is something else is a benefit to you that they're not going, oh, well, you just have a college degree. That's all we were looking for. I'm pretty sure people are looking for a degree in a certain field in order to fill a position that is there. So uh, to me, this isn't anything that's really new. It's been going on for quite some time, but it definitely highlights the fact that a push for a four-year college isn't necessarily the best thing for everyone.
1: Yeah, I would like to see... If there are certain, pardon me, certain four-year degrees that that are overwhelmingly represented among these people, Uh, I know they have a couple of broad strokes here. They say people in engineering uh, tend to do very well getting a job in engineering that requires a four-year degree. Uh, They do say biology and physics graduates don't necessarily fare very well. Uh, For example, 74% of engineering graduates get a job in engineering compared to just 53% of those in biology get a job after college in the field of biology. Don't know why that's the case, but they say it does have long-term implications for these people. If you don't get that job in your field quickly, you're probably never going to get it and you're not going to make as much money over the course of your life in the private sector.
2: I disagree with that. Uh, So many people that I went to school with did not end up in the industry here. They go on to find a different industry and they're able to make money just because you're not in the field that you got a degree in doesn't mean you lose the ability to be great at something else.
1: This was done by the Burning Glass Institute. They studied 60 million Americans. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. Jason Abel is with the Federal Reserve in New York. He says, we've looked at this over many decades, and it's never the case that you get to a point where we have zero who are underemployed. What we've seen over the decades is roughly a third of all college graduates get out there and they're underemployed, meaning they end up in a field that does not require a college degree. So he says this has been going on for a while, as Melinda noted. He says no one seems to say what's the proper percentage. We really haven't defined that. Is it definable? So is it 75% go on and end up in a field that requires their degree? He says, nobody's defined that. He says, I can't even put a number on it. And I've been studying this for years at the Federal Reserve. Damon is with us on KLBJ at 423. Hey, Damon, welcome. How are you this afternoon?
5: I'm doing very well. It's an incredible day today.
1: Yes, sir. Beautiful.
5: I'm calling to defend those people who are working outside of their uh, college degree fields um, and and I'm, I'm speaking from you know personal experience and all my friends. A lot of people, because you have a college degree, you know how to listen, you know how to execute, you know how to plan. you, you did spend four years uh, you know acquiring something, and these people make incredibly good employees and well-paid employees, even if they're not in their field that mm-hmm. they've chosen. And so, it's kind of a misnomer. If someone is if making uh, good money doing something else because they're you know, they're good at it or they have the skills, they don't have to be necessarily working in their field. And I, I, I don't think you can ever measure that. I don't think it's really quantifiable because it's personal choice. Um, my son, who is an engineer now, had to sacrifice because he took a job in a beautiful part of the country, uh, but not making as much money. That's what was important to him. Mm -hmm. Other people would chase the money, but, but the, the underlying principle is you've got a four year degree and you are a proven quantity as opposed to the person who shuffles in off the street and misspells everything on their application.
1: So do you think, uh, is this term underemployed deceiving Damon? And they keep using this term over and over and they say the definition is you're in a job that does not require a college degree.
5: I I think it's very deceiving because it doesn't mean they're underpaid. They're kind of putting a moniker on this that doesn't apply. Um, I I know people who make enormous amounts of money and they don't even have high school degrees. And so, but but they have to have the skills to to get things done. Um, Welders and plumbers and types of people like that are excellent examples. But if you're a college graduate, even though it's not required, you're typically going to outshine and outperform most people who are not college graduates. Because you, you do learn a lot. Your first two years in college have nothing to do with your degree. It's, it's basically learning how to learning how to get smart.
1: Thank you, Damon. Have a good afternoon.
2: I'm not sure that I agree with his assessment that just because you have a degree you outshine uh someone that doesn't. Again, it comes back to personal. Who the person is. I know many of people that I would say outshine me by a a lot.
1: No. <laughs> and
2: no. and I have a college degree and they do not. So it, I don't think it has anything to do with a college degree and I think that that's the part that is such I'm going to Sorry to use this word Such crap That we do as a society To put that on people That you have to have this In order to achieve greatness We're proving time and time again Especially when we're looking At the school debt That is being incurred That's not
1: the case Alright We've got more to cover with you You can join the conversation Coming up just ahead 512-836-0590 It's Mark and Melinda They're live, local,
0: and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda.
1: Tigers here producing. We hope you're having a great day. It's 432 if you're just joining us. One of the stories we're discussing is a new report that was put out today. Uh, 60 million Americans were studied. These are people who earned a four-year college degree. This study says that 52% of these people one year after graduating from college are in a job that does not require a four-year college degree. Five years after graduation, 49% of them are still in a job that does not require a four-year college degree. So the people who did this report, Melinda, offer some recommendations for colleges and universities to curb what they call underemployment. Number one, they say ensure at least one paid internship opportunity for all students. Their data indicate that students that have a paid internship while in college have a much higher percentage of going on to a job that requires a degree in the field that they're studying in college.
2: That is extremely unrealistic. Um, there were opportunities for internships when I was in school it was up to each individual to seek those out. You find out, you could usually go to the school and they would have a list of companies um, that would hire for internships or that they had worked with before, but it is on you to go and say this is really a field i want to get into or maybe you're still questioning and you decide to go do the internship it's not the university's responsibility and i just don't think it's realistic to say that you guarantee a paid internship for every person that attends your university
1: recommendation number two every institution should make the data easily available showing the outcomes for each degree program at their college or university. In other words, all the students who earned a degree in field X went on to get a job in their field within one year uh, or did not. And then the third one is, offer comprehensive career coaching to students at the university throughout these degree programs.
2: Yeah, you can do that. I I think it is important to... Make sure that they know how do you even get into a career? What What is that? Uh, as far as listing the outcome, you can do that. But again, you're talking about personal responsibility. Uh, just because they got a degree and within a year got a job doesn't mean that's going to happen for you. It depends on each individual.
1: All right, let's go to Rob in Pflugerville at 435 on KLBJ. Good afternoon. How are you today, Rob?
3: I'm great. Just enjoying this almost 90 degree weather.
1: All right, welcome aboard, Rob. What are your thoughts?
3: I'm, I wanted to dispute the last caller because he panned a pretty big broad stroke. I would say the I would if I had to choose between someone with a college degree and someone with four years in the military, I'd take the person from the military because they're already they're they're disciplined or self disciplined they're organized, they're able to work under stress, they're able to take orders and execute them. You get someone from college, they're just entering the workforce for the most part, unless they actually got a job their last year. But saying someone with a college degree is better overall to me. It's it's like saying, I mean, it's, it's too much of a broad stroke. It just,
2: yeah, it that it came across as pretty broad to me, too, especially when he gave examples like a better listener or can spell better. And I'm thinking none of those things did I learn in college. I learned to listen at home. Uh, my parents showed me really quick how you listen. <laughs> and then in spelling, I mean, hopefully you know how to spell before you go to college. You're not learning it in college.
1: Rob, on well, your... at least... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, that's all right. You go ahead, Rob.
3: I know when I went in the Marines back in 87... You had to score a certain amount on your military entrance exam test. You had to know how to spell. You had to know how to do basic math. Um, You had to know how to do reasoning, all of that. And you learned really quick how to to listen in boot camp.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you did, Rob. You have a good afternoon, sir. Thank you. 512-836-0590. Charles from Canyon Lake is weighing in. Good afternoon, Charles. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, sir. Welcome aboard. So I wanted to, I kind of
0: agree with what Rob just said. I retired from the military and I joined in 97. And when I got out, um, the military has a great program for you to get college credit and eventually your degree, but you have to have the time to do so. And I was never really, you know, had enough time to do that. But when I got out, I I went in and I applied for a job that required or had a bachelor's requirement and a preferred master's. I went in there and told them my passion about the job and my knowledge in overarching. And it's not like it was in, I'm not trying to do like an IT job, but the job I know kind of translated from the military and they were excited to get me and the other thing that military guys really offer is they teach us this straight away is initiative and determination you you don't go sit on your hands you do something and you do it till it's done and that's really what employers want they they want someone to take on whatever needs to be done in their job, and do it without being told. That's really what the military brings to the table. You don't have to know how to do anything. If you're willing to learn and you want to do it, you've got a job. I make more in this job than four of my friends that were college graduates graduated in high school in 97. I make more than all of those guys that have gone on to get a degree, and only three of them, I'm sorry, three of them are not working in the field of their degree. Only one is. And even that, I still am comparable with zero college and just experience from the world. And I think that really will help a lot.
1: Charles, thank Mm -hmm. you. Have a good afternoon. Melinda, I remember a couple of months ago, you and I were talking about a story in the Wall Street Journal that a number of fairly large companies now say they've changed their attitude they're specifically seeking out people that have served in the military because they recognize what Charles was just talking about
2: yeah that they're especially military it brings in a lot of different skills that Others do not have, but also you're seeing a bunch of businesses start to not have that four-year college or that master requirement because they are finding out that it eliminates people that perhaps started at a different job but have the experience and know and can do and have proven that they can do way more than a grad that just walked out of the classroom.
1: Let's go to Mike in Westlake, 440. Mark and Melinda, good afternoon. Mike, how are you? Great. How about you? Fine. Mike, welcome. Thank you.
6: Yeah, so what I wanted to say is, um, so far, I haven't heard something mentioned. Maybe I just missed it, but it's about the being underemployed is age discrimination can play a big factor in that. Um, I'm an engineer, um, and a, a lot of my colleagues got laid off in their mid-50s. And what they discovered was that once, the, once you're laid off in your mid-50s, nobody wants to hire you in your field because they can get usually two twenty seven 27 27-year-old Phds paid just as much as you were, so the, the combination of the two make your salary. Who will work seventy hours a week, week in and week out, and never take a vacation until they go home to get married? And you can't you can't compete with that. And almost all of them end up working in a job um, not in their field and making significantly less money than they did.
1: The uh, interesting point there, Mike. Thank you very much. This study was really focused on people who are just emerging Recently, from college. Yeah. Yes, with their four-year degree in hand. And it says right now in the United States, 52% of them in their first job end up working in a job that does not require a four-year college degree. And within five years, 49% of them are still in a job that does not require a college degree. Five, did
2: 512-836-0590. It, did it say that everyone that was not in their field, pursued a job in their field, and this is just what they settled for? Or do we even know if they even pursued it, or did they send out one resume and say, oh, I didn't get that job, I guess I'll never work there, and went somewhere else?
1: Mm-hmm. Some of this is just anecdotal evidence of individual people. Melinda, there's there's a guy in Kentucky he says, I, I tried in my field for several months, and then I thought, I better get a job, just any kind of a job. And he took a job as a security guard in Cincinnati. And he says, I fear now I might be stuck and, uh, and left out of the, the real job path that I wanted.
2: See, again, this is all about individuals and, and what they're doing. Yeah, I can see I can't have to take a job because, you know, bills don't pause just because, because I don't have a job. So I take a job. But then it's you. You have to stay motivated to keep pursuing the career that you thought you wanted.
1: Yes, you do. It is up to you. 512-836-0590. It's 443 now with Mark and Melinda.
0: And now back to the Mark and Melinda show.
1: Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 447, this is Jacob in Central Austin. Good afternoon, Jacob. Welcome to KLBJ.
8: Hey, thanks for having me. How are y'all?
1: Very well, Jacob. Thank you.
8: So I just wanted to call and make a comment on, you know, the whole college thing. I'm 28. You know, I started working a less than glorious job when I was 15, but I stuck to it and stuck to it. And. Fortunately, you know, I was open to, able to own my own business a couple of years ago, and I do pretty well as compared to, you know, all my friends who went to college who are either in debt or they got their degree and they're still broke. And it's really hard for people who are going to college nowadays to, to, to be able to just go and find an apprenticeship. You know, you work 40 hours and you, then you go to school. Where's the time for the apprenticeship at?
1: What kind of uh, field are you in, Jacob?
8: Um, I'm in the asphalt business.
1: Okay. And you own your own business?
8: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm in the asphalt business. I started paying parking lots when I was, you know, 15 years old. And, and, you know, a lot of people used to make fun of me for it, you know, because it's a dirty job. It's less than glorious. But, you know, by the grace of God, it's done me
6: pretty well.
2: That's awesome, Jacob. And and that's... You are what I was talking about. It is someone that has it within themselves... To figure out what it is they want to do and pursue every avenue to make the most of it, and that's exactly what you've done. I don't, and I don't think having a college degree or not plays a part in any of that. It's based on the individual.
0: Yeah, I I agree.
8: Uh, another comment that I want to make real quick is, you know, I don't think having a four year degree puts puts you ahead or, or necessarily even shows that the individual is um, harder working or more prepared for the work field. I would. I would argue that 4 years of work experience in any field um would 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 put you in a better position as an employee just in in my book because you know how colleges are nowadays and it's um you know there's there's nothing wrong with getting a degree I just I just don't think it is what it used to be.
1: Well, starting work as a teenager creates valuable experience in so many ways and and it's not just in that particular job that you're doing you learn Other very important things that will serve you well throughout your working career. Jacob, thank you. Have a great afternoon, and uh, I hope you have more success with your company. That is awesome. A judge in New York says that New York City's new plan to allow non-U.S. citizens to vote in New York City elections is unconstitutional. The City Council, Melinda, had approved this, they wanted to allow 800,000 non-citizens to vote in local New York City elections.
2: This is the correct outcome. Uh, Even by the New York State, forget the U.S. Constitution, the New York State Constitution that says, yeah, have to be a citizen. A citizen is a requirement for voting rights. And I know a lot of people that wanted this passed and in work to get this passed will say, well, these people are living in the communities, so mm-hmm. they should have an input uh, within their communities, to which I would say, if they want an input, become a citizen. That is an automatic input there. If you don't want to become a citizen, why should you get a say?
1: You should not. Uh- In this case, this is a trend that's been flowing over our country, from San Francisco to New York, Washington, D.C., Maryland. This judge in particular is saying, no, you don't. It's very clear in the New York state constitution, only citizens will vote. Citizenship uh, brings about rights, responsibilities, obligations. It indicates your allegiance to this country. You have agreed to assimilate and uh, only have allegiance to this country. And when you achieve that and earn that, yes, you should have the right to vote. But before that, no. You, you may change your mind and move back to some other country or change your, your allegiance. So until you earn that citizenship, you should not be voting in these important elections.
2: Yes, and uh, New York City, the Supreme Court got it right here. And I hope that this goes out as a beacon to all of those other places that are wanting to do this, that no, 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 you can't,
1: you yeah, shouldn't. You can weigh in with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. The people who challenge this new program in New York City say, look at it a different way. These non-citizens are nullifying the votes of citizens. They, they are, they're canceling out the votes of citizens and we believe that's wrong for that to occur.
2: It is wrong. It is absolutely wrong.
1: 512-836-0590. Let's go to Dave and Leander with Mark and Melinda 452. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you today?
9: Guys, as honor it is both an honor and a privilege. Mark and Melinda, I really appreciate you having me on. So, I just I just wanted to cover this real quick. Um when I was 15 years old, uh, I started as an RV mechanic apprentice and I went all the way up through 18, joined the army. I was in the army for six years as a medic. Uh, got out of the army and with the things that I saw in the military, my, my medic career, even though I was a paramedic, I, I was not, I just wasn't suited for it. And there was something about cars and mechanics that really calmed me down and really you know, helped me with life and now, uh, as it sits right now, I'm on my way home to my four bedroom, three bath house to go cook dinner for my family. And so I just want everybody out there to know that that is questioning a college degree versus a blue collar career. I am thoroughly thrilled with what I do and I'm very, very happy to go to work. There's some days I don't want to, but for the most part, I love what I do. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, and it is a blue-collar career. And although that I have a college degree, th- this is what I choose to do because it makes me happy.
2: Well, and I think that needs to be the takeaway. We're not trying to bash on colleges or what. Again, it's up to the individual. If that's the route you want to go, that's great. If it's not the route you want to go, that's great, too. Figure out what it is that you want to do and what be- what's... What's best for you to get into that and to con- and to start advancing your career?
1: Yeah, it makes sure thing, you. Sure thing,
9: and, and I, I agree with that, and I support it wholeheartedly. But the thing is, I think that so many people now, uh, especially the the younger generation, are on track to what's going to make me the most money, as opposed to what's going to make me the happiest.
1: That's a great point, mm-hmm. Dave. Thanks so much. You have a wonderful Absolutely. evening. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks, it. You as well. Thank Absolutely. you. Uh, Valerie is with us at 454 on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Valerie.
7: Uh, yes, Um. good afternoon. I just wanted to make a public announcement because I feel, you know, um, crime in Austin is just happening, not just, you know, in, in another city, another state. You know, it's happening here. You know, I call it desperate times of what happened to me, and I just want the public to be aware of it. Shopping. At Sam's Club Research on Saturday afternoon, 2.45 p.m., loading my car, not thinking anything, you know, broad daylight. I'm ready to get in my dr- driver's seat and start pulling out a person, man or teenager boy, opens my passenger door, rips the purse out of my car and just takes off in the, um, you know, getaway car. I try to go after the car. I also flagged on a security guard. He couldn't help me because he said it's not his job, but he helped me out very much. So I just wanted the you know the public to know, you know, be careful even in broad daylight. I mean, it just happened in a split second. Yeah, you've got to be aware
2: of your surroundings at all
7: times.:
1: So sorry to hear about yeah. that, Valerie. Uh, thank you for checking in. And uh, she's right. That kind of stuff is happening more frequently here in Austin and all over the country, for that matter. We have much more to cover with you just ahead right after the news, which is coming up next.